Welcome to Let's Humanize the Workplace. Hi, my name is Vivian Aqua, and today we really have a good, good episode for you today. So it's about women. Uh, show me, show women the money. I'm so excited about tonight. So that's why I am. No, I'm not explaining myself. I am the workplace wellness advocate, and I'm so again, I'm so excited about tonight. So, with no further ado. I am going to introduce something towards you. So uh, for those of you who have been watching Let's Humanize the Workplace for a while, I provide video content by interviewing different experts who share inspiring thoughts about humanizing the workplace. I do that on Facebook, I do that on YouTube, on uh, LinkedIn, and as well on Twitter. But I can imagine that after working a whole day or after doing a few video calls on a day that you might not be delighted to join this session or you might not be delighted to consume this, this video online or whatever way you want to consume this. So that's why I created something for your ears. Know that each episode, with just within a few days, know that each live episode will be transformed into a podcast episode. So you can uh, listen to this podcast while being in the car or maybe on the move or just doing your yoga session or maybe your uh, morning walk or your afternoon walk. Know that it's there. So Let's Humanize the Workplace is on iTunes, on Google Play, as you can see on the most familiar uh, podcast platform. So please listen to it. Um, if you have listened to an episode, please share your love for this uh, for this platform because without you, I can't do this. So I will need your support and your effort regarding this. And I'm hoping that you can hear me and see me as well uh, on LinkedIn, on all the other platforms and just share the love, right? Share the love. No, also, so tonight's episode, it's about show women the money all about narrowing the gender gap. And I'm going to have a conversation with Wies Bradby and also with Shasha Martina. And these two ladies are going to be fun. But before going to that, before adding them into the mixer, I just want to highlight something. And the way that I do it is just showing you a visual. So I wanted to share this post that Enid Brun had shared on LinkedIn recently about companies using the Black Lives Matter as a hashtag. And I would not be a workplace wellness advocate if I wouldn't address this, if I wouldn't speak up on this. And I'm glad that Enid uh, referred this article to me because it really amplifies what um, a lot of people are backlashing companies for, right? It's not about the hashtag. It's not about showing just only your support on uh, social media. We want to see what you're doing. We want to see the changes what you're doing because we are done with lip syncing. We are done with lip service and we are done with companies that don't walk the talk. So I am in urging the companies, I'm urging those who are in charge. If you're doing something, show that. Let your employees show that or let your people show that so that we see that you are really dedicating uh, your efforts regarding beating, eliminating racism in the workplace. That's what we want. That's what we all want. Another thing that I want to highlight is uh, Vis already shared this morning a compelling image. This image says it all. 
Um, it's a black woman in front of a white man, I think a white man board. And this question, describe what you bring to this company. I'm curious to hear what you see in this picture or how does this picture make you feel, right? Um, I, I just want to know how, what, what you do you see? So with no further ado, I'm going to bring up the guest speakers of today. And that is Vies <laughs> Brugby. She is a former top lawyer and a HR director. And she is also, your function is also a chief. Help me. Enthusiasm. Officer who is helping and in the gender wage gap and teaching women to negotiate the worth. The second guest is Sasha Martina. And Sasha is a Dutch entrepreneur with a mixed cultural background and with her international recruitment agency, uh, relocation agency, Bureau Swatwit. In English, it's agency black and white. She challenges clients on diversity and inclusion in the office. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Hi. Super so, excited to be here. <laughs> and thanks for inviting us. Yeah. Yes, welcome. And um, I'm going to ask the first question. What is your connection with humanizing the workplace? And I will start with Sasha. So um, I started my career uh, in recruitment. I started mm -hmm. in a recruitment agency, and um, which was sort of a guess because that's not what I was educated for. But uh, in that time that I uh, that I finished my um, my education, there were almost no jobs available because it was 2008, and as you all remember, we were full on in crisis. Um, so some people in my network said you should work in recruitment. You're really good in um, you know bringing people or connect people. Uh, and as a recruiter, that's, I think, the best gift every day uh, that you can make life a little bit better by giving people a new or better position. Um, and with humanizing the, the workplace, which is something that sort of comes naturally when you are in an HR team, um, especially in my case, because you're all always on the ground in the team, um, and you see everything, you hear everything, you are automatically like a trust, trustworthy person for a lot of people in the office because you're, you're far enough from the direction, from the director level, but you're close enough so they can trust you. Um, so for me, it's a very important topic um, and it always been. So I have a lot of, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of good positive feelings about this. Thank you. And Vies? I love the term so much. Can I just say that? Can I applaud you, you for <laughs> using this tagline? I think it's so incredibly important and so helpful. Um, so my connection to it, I would say, is that uh, from my very humble beginnings as a lowly lawyer um, in in kind of you know lowly beginnings as a, in the workplace, I found that it's incredibly important to what I call bring your whole self to work, to mm -hmm. be in a place where you feel that you can be yourself and that all the pieces that make you you, that make you unique, that make you the wonderful, awesome human being that you are, right, are not just, as I always say, tolerated, but they're celebrated. And so that's kind of become my lifelong mission, making sure that people are finding a place in the world 
where they can bring their whole self to, self to work and where that whole self is you know, leveraged to the maximum amount, which is obviously benefiting the organization that they're working for. And it's also very much benefiting themselves because it's way more fun being in a place where you feel like you can be yourself than not, obviously. So I'm, I'm a big fan of this idea and I, yeah, I, I can just, it's it's definitely it's a large part of my mission you know it's a lot of fun talking about the money and definitely want to talk about the money right mm -hmm. uh, we often underestimate that subject and it's even linked i think to humanizing the work uh, workplace and at the same time i always make it clear to my clients you know the money is just this but you know the place where you spend a large part of your every day it needs to be a place where you feel great and where you can be great and so yeah, for me, that's what humanizing the workplace is about. And I'm incredibly grateful and happy that you are on that mission to be doing that. So thank super you, cool. lady. Thank you. I also wanted to share something. So I challenged this with bringing an extra guest speaker. Her extra guest speaker is Sasha. I have <laughs> been reading into the quote, lift as you climb. And I'm curious about why is Sasha your lift as you climb guest speaker? Uh, because she's awesome, which is why, like, because <laughs> she's wonderful. Um, Thank aside. you. Yeah. Oh, no, this is very much true. I'm not kidding in any way, shape or form. Um, Sasha came to mind straight away, I think because of the kind of Amsterdam Dutch connection, right? Mm -hmm. I live in Switzerland right now, um, coming to Holland, but living in Switzerland right now. Uh, we met Sasha last year, about a year ago. Gold long, no, exactly a year ago. Yeah. Yeah at um, a, an event for entrepreneurs in Holland or like a series of events for entrepreneurs in Holland, female entrepreneurs, and um, immediately struck up a conversation, if I remember correctly. And I was very much taken by the work that she does because it's so connected to what I do, right? Mm -hmm. Bureaus Wit, what, uh, what they do. I'm, I'm probably butchering your story, um, uh, Sasha. So please Just correct me. Her you know? <laughs> Maybe you're making it better. Maybe you're making uh, it better. Uh, no, 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 no. This is your story. This is your story. But what I felt so connected with at the time and, and, and still very much do is that you bring expats, you bring people from across the world that are very good at what they do, right, to the Netherlands. And then you, you basically, you connect them, right, to uh, sort of foreign talent i'm i'm really i feel like i'm really doing you a disservice here i apologize but you're you're basically mediating between dutch companies that need talent and you are finding them in the world right and you're making that connection i couldn't yeah? have said it better yeah you okay. did perfectly yeah and so for me you know i mean there's an obvious direct connection with humanizing the workplace right and i think i think the work that you do uh, is so um important sasha in because you know i mean i'm an expert myself i've lived abroad for so many years and 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 what you do i think is is incredible i also really like the way that you do it you are yourself you bring your whole self to work right and so yep. all of that for me it was kind of vivian wasn't it like you were saying you know can you think of someone and i said i immediately was on your voice you said, said her name Sasha. and i was like oh, i'll think about other people yeah. but ah. yeah. and then you know so it was yeah. for me it was an immediate yeah Oh, I'm, super, I'm super, so super flattered that you uh, that, and also that my name popped up so quickly in your mind immediately must, yeah must have done something where <laughs> it was the red lipstick it was the conversation around the red lipstick chick do you remember <laughs> yeah it was it was red lipstick and a big glass of chardonnay 
I remember. Oh, okay. It that sounds like, like a, a cool party. It sounds like a good... And Sasha, what did you think about becoming a, a Lift As You Climb guest speaker? So you're hearing this cool stuff from Wies. Um, my son is in the area and he's entering right now. So he's just saying goodbye. Oh, hello. <laughs> Hi, darling. Hi. Hey. Hi, Katie. How are you? <laughs> I'm getting some drinks as well. I forgot to pull some glass, some uh, some water. So I just asked oh, uh, for the service. service. Yes. <laughs> nice. So, um, what did you think about we? You know, uh, giving you the kudos, but also for you to become her lift as you climb guest speaker. Oh, yeah. Um, I always have a very big mouth, but if people um, are lifting you up and mm -hmm. sort of letting letting you um, ride on their success, always makes me a bit uh, humble, speechless, to be honest, because, mm -hmm. um, for, yeah, for me, it's, it, I think the biggest compliment is somebody else rec uh, recommends you or recognizes you and wants to help you without expecting anything back. Um, and yeah, I 100% agree. When Reese and I met last year, we had like this instant chemistry because during the first day we, we were in separate groups. We, we didn't spend any time together. And um, at the end of the day, we had some drinks to, you know, gather the first day. Um, and we had just instant chemistry. And since then, we've always stayed in touch and uh, just watch each other and help each other. Um, so yeah, for me that you also uh, invited me, considered me, um, yeah, which is a huge compliment. Yeah, you see, I'm sort of stumbling because I'm getting very humble but about dude, it. But I, I love how I, I have not taken it as lift as you climb. It's almost like mm -hmm. I'm helping you. I don't see it that way. I'm just really grateful that we're at the same level. And I'm just really grateful that you wanted to be here and that we're here together having this conversation. And I think your yeah, input is not like, I, you know, I'm not doing you a favor here. I'm, I'm doing the whole world a favor by hearing you. Yes, true. That's it. And Vivian, you're doing both of us a favor, right? <laughs> you're doing both of us a favor. Big love, guys. We owe international love. Yeah. I we mean, owe you as well. Conversation that I had first of all with Wies after I discovered Wies after attending a Lean In event in the Netherlands, which I have to thank Melissa for because she is my person to lift as I climb. And uh, Melissa knows how I feel about her. So, Melissa, again, this is a shout we out. We love you. We love you. And um, I was amazed by you, Wies by your rawness, by your savviness, by whatever you had to share. And I have never heard, I heard about you during the Lean In session, but I've never seen you in action. So um, I just shared the workshop with everybody that I knew, that everybody that had to be there. And I'm glad that a few of my people from my network attended. I'm also glad that one of them was somebody who was just embarking her career. And during that session, she shared that she got an advice from Wies that is really opening her eyes for embarking this new journey towards, uh, towards the, the adult worldwide or to, to becoming a, a young professional. And I told Wies that everything that she shared during that session, I wish that I had that advice. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, that's the biggest compliment, I think, right? So don't, don't try. I, we don't we have trying. to lift each other up, right? This is a session about lifting each other up. And you are a secret. And I don't want you to be a secret anymore. So you are incredibly sweet. Yes. Gold, bless your heart and bless your <laughs> friend's heart who was there. I have no idea what I said. I say a lot, right? You said I a think lot it was the session. Well, well, yeah. Mm. yeah. But, uh, that was the lean in session. Yeah, that was a, yeah. a, a, a yeah, a while ago. It was fun. Yeah. It was really yeah, fun. It was definitely. Um, fun. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, and yes, I do rent a lot. Um, and it's a subject that is important, mm -hmm. right? Um, I will never minimize that. Um, mm -hmm. I always say to people, my trainings are super popular, and it's yeah. really fun because I'd like to think, of course, that it's me, right? That people think I'm fabulous. It's not me. <laughs> It's really not me. I wish you were doing yourself me. a disservice. You put in no. a lot of savviness. No, no, no. Again, you mm. put in a lot of fierceness that every woman, and I see the both of you, right? Because I have spoken to you. Um, I've spoken to Sasha. I was meant to talk to her just for 10 minutes. It ended up being an hour. It ended up me being yeah. forgetting about my other appointment, but that doesn't matter. I was so amazed by just having a conversation with somebody I never knew, but I understand why Reese is lifting you up. I understand. And I told you that you are, you're both an amazing woman. So thank oh. you for this. <laughs> More hugs. Thank More you. Hugs. <laughs> Yay. Virtual hug. Okay. Virtual let's, hug. let's, let's get to, let's get to the nitty gritty, right? Because a lot of women are really anticipating for this conversation. And I'm curious about, what your barriers are. So maybe each of you can share the barriers that women face when negotiating. I'll start with Sasha. Yeah. Um, well, I think the obvious barriers a lot of times are uh, for a lot of women, uh, assumptions. Mm. Uh, people assume that once you, I don't know, uh, become a certain age or after the age of 30, 35, you're not that eager to climb anymore or you're more focused on starting your family and then automatically people assume from the moment you start a family you're not interested in climbing or promoting or or even like entrepreneuring like we are um and i think because of assumptions uh, a lot of a lot of women are scared because mm. they they assume their manager assume they will never go for it so that's, I think, one of the big ones. And what's your second one? Oh, take two for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think a, a second one, and also something I hear a lot in my own network of, of, of women who are not as fearless as I, I think they should be, um, is underestimation of themselves because they think that they're not good enough uh, or that they not they're not there enough, or that they will neglect um, their family if they go for a promotion. They will neglect their husbands or their partners, or which is sort of goes hand in hand with with the assumption part for my first point, of course. Um, mm -hmm. And a lot of women yeah, don't don't thrive enough and are not fierce enough to believe in themselves. So I think for me, looking at myself but mainly the women around me those are the two uh, most important books and what is yeah. it for you Wies? 
Oh, uh, there's a ton. <laughs> I mean, you I've spent this is my life's work, huh? So, uh, so uh, yeah, exactly. How many hours? No, <laughs> no, uh, kidding. <laughs> if I if I have to choose two, and and really, I'm stacking on what Sasha was saying, right? Mm -hmm. Because those are very important ones. Uh, I would say if I can pick one internal and one external barrier, because that's the way that I describe it, right? We have these internal barriers that we've grown up with that make it uncomfortable, or even you know they're prohibitive for us to actually uh, have the conversation. The negotiation, and then there's external ones, right, where other people have ideas about us, and that kind of influences what we end up doing or not doing. Um, when we're looking at internal barriers, I would say uh, the biggest one, indeed, is one I'm not good enough. But then another one is simply that they don't like the conversation, they don't enjoy the conversation, they know they're going to hate it. It's not for them, and so they won't. They simply won't do it, and that. You know, they, they, they're just not going to have the conversation because they'd rather not. Sometimes it's even that they think they don't need to, because if they just do great work, then that will be seen and recognized and appreciated. And the promotion will come naturally. It will just be handed to them, which never works. Right. Um, so there there's that one. There's the kind of the internal sense of I don't want to and I shouldn't have to. My work speaks for itself. All of that. Right. We tell ourselves that which ultimately is BS because we know it's BS. But that's the reason that we you know why it's OK not to. Right. What we tell ourselves. And the one of the external barriers that we often see is the idea that as a woman, quite frankly, you shouldn't speak up. You shouldn't ask for more. You shouldn't be assertive. You shouldn't say, I'm ready for that. Bring it on. Um, I'm good enough. Uh, in fact, I'm awesome. And you're going to pay me handsomely for that. Right? That's a way of speaking that we have reserved for the boys. And if women do it, then we really don't like it. And they, we start giving them names like... Yeah, after, well, attending, your, your, after <laughs> attending your session, I... Um, there were some things that sunk within me. So what I see, my son, he's six. You just saw him. He mm -hmm. has this neighbor friend. And they, when they see each other, they keep on bragging and bragging and bragging. And I'm just like, okay, did I do that when I was that age? I was told to be quiet, play quiet, sit still, etc., cetera, yeah. et cetera. So I am realizing how society and also how we... Uh, pa as parents are um, entrapped, trapped in, in a system that creates something, that creates a wedge that already starts, That I think that's the start of the gender gap, right? Definitely. It starts very early. Yeah. 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 yeah, And even, I mean, I'd love to be, you know, this being my life's work, right? I'd love to say that I'm awesome at this and that, mm -hmm. you know, I, I want a different world for my girls. Mm -hmm. And yet... I notice myself when the girls are loud that I'm I'm uncomfortable with that. Mm. When they start arguing with me, I'm like, damn it, I'm the parent. You should just listen to me, you know. <laughs> Whereas I should be celebrating that, right? I should be like kind of like encouraging. No, you can still yet... be the parent. I, I do that as well with my boy. And uh yeah, <laughs> I understand. But that, that fine line, right? Yeah. And and yeah. so I often don't get it right. But it's it's what you're saying, right? You see it in your boy that it's absolutely fine to be talking mm -hmm. yourself up, right? And there's always this competitive element i'm the, mm -hmm. you know i can run the fastest and i yeah. can you know i'm the best at sports and all these things and and for my girls i often talk about the time when um my youngest had a had a play date and you know uh, they got into a bit of a cobble and they stopped did you mm -hmm. stop the play 
they'd rather not play or mm -hmm. continue playing, right, mm -hmm. than actually have a disagreement. They're so uncomfortable with it. And I'm sitting there, I'm looking at him like, but girls, like, just get over it. And just like, and they're like, no, it's not happening. So it's, yeah, it starts really early. Can you, Sasha, maybe share something? I'm going to close my window because my neighbor is uh, doing something. He's shouting at you again? No, 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 no. <laughs> No, he wouldn't even dare. <laughs> he wouldn't even dare. So I'm going to bring up uh, the next question. And maybe, Sasha, if you can start with answering that question, and then I'm going to close the window. So continue. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Do you want me to say the question as well? Yes, you can. OK, yeah. yeah so take the over in the snow. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> uh, the question is, have you ever negotiated in your career? If yes, obviously. How did you do? If no, what was holding you back? Okay, so um, I think it's important uh, for people listening to know that uh, negotiation is, a, is like a, a second language in my family. So I come from a family that loves negotiating whenever, wherever, um, especially, you know, uh, I remember when I was younger and we went on a holiday um, and we went to these little marketplaces uh, my mother always loved negotiating because she knew there was always a better deal around the corner. So I think witnessing that um, from from a young age showed me that it's okay to ask for more. Um, and I had already from from my I think from my first job um, I was the youngest coming into that it's really corporate environment and. Um, I was the first one from my team to be promoted, not because I asked for it, but because I was actually doing a good job and I had a really good manager at that point, a man uh, that saw me and lifted me up. But then I became a manager and everybody in the same line were all men. Um, and then at one point, after, I think after a busy work week, we had drinks and they were bragging like little boys do. Grown-up men still do it. They were bragging about their bonus, their salary. And I was listening, listening, taking it in. And at one point, I was like, this is very wrong. But I, without saying anything, I already heard numbers across the table that were far from what I was making. And yes, I was the youngest. And yes, I was still pretty new. Um, I was like, hell to the no. <laughs> this is not happening to me. So next Monday, I sort of barged into my manager's office and I said, listen up, you promoted me for a reason. And he gave me like a little raise. At that point, I was really, really happy with the raise. But a few weeks later, I found out the raise was basically nothing compared to what the other guys were making. Mm -hmm. And we were doing exactly the same job. And yes, everybody was a minimum of seven years older than me. But I was like, You're doing uh, can the same I job. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. I'm doing the same job. So um, he, he said, you're right. And I said, so why didn't you, you know, give me the same, the, the same as the other guys? And, he was, and then he tried to, you know, explain himself, right? Oh, these other guys are working longer for the company and they have earned themselves longer and blah, 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 blah. And then I said, well, I have to think about it and um, I will come back with you because I think I should get at least the bare minimum the same as they have or even more um and then a few days later i i i went back into his office and i said so have you thought about it i have thought about it 
and you said, so what, what is your conclusion? I said, well, my conclusion is still the same as Monday. I think you should give me the same. He said, what else? I said, or else I'm going to look for another job. Um, and then he's like, oh, okay. He wasn't expecting that. Um, so the next Friday after that, I got an email that they, uh, that they were giving me the same pay rates as the other three managers, male managers. And this was my first job. I was, I think it was like 22, 23. Wow. Nice. Um, and I tell this story a lot as well to when I, I, I coach and tutor um, <laughs> junior entrepreneurs. I'm st- I, I, I still consider myself a junior. So when I talk about junior entrepreneurs, I'm like, must be baby embryos. Um, Stop it. Yeah. But I, I, I tell this story a lot because I think it's important that it doesn't matter because tell you you're too young you're too old you're not educated enough you're overqualified you're underqualified so there are so many excuses in the world if you know that you're good you're going to make it a success and if somebody doesn't appreciate your work it's time to leave yeah time to move on and as a recruiter i i have these conversations as well weekly with candidates people that um are sort of stuck right they know that they're good at their job they're scared switching and when I tell them that oh you can you can probably make this and this figure if you would have a conversation with another com- with another uh, organization sometimes they're, they're struck they're like what yeah this is your market rate you're working way below your market rate so there are two things mm-hmm. you can do you can talk to me and I will give you a new job okay, and so after today, so your, your agenda will be full right after this <laughs> I hope so. No, I hope so because I think everybody deserves mm-hmm. to get paid what they're worth. Yeah, true, true. Mm. Yeah. Now I'm you're so curious. happy to hear uh, it. I think Dude, you're like well about, done about me to start when when I started in my career, I was just happy to work at a company, and I started at one of the big uh, accountancy firm. Those of you who can look at LinkedIn, you will see who. But um, to be honest, I still stand with the, the thing that I wish I had known about this magical way of doing your negotiation because I didn't negotiate for my uh, for my job at the time because um, being... No, I'm not going to use it as an excuse, but... Um, I was raised to be humble and I was raised to be grateful with whatever exactly. thing that uh, is being offered. I was. And it was an honor, undoubtedly, working yeah. there. Yes, You're just was grateful for the chance. And it was good for the name. It was good for me. And um, being raised, I'm, my, my, my background is Ghanaian, and being raised in a Ghanaian uh, culture. You don't talk about money. You don't raise, you don't stand up from for whatever it is that you feel right because you don't want to fear for maybe not getting the job or not being there. And I regret it. I regret it. I definitely regret it because it's the starting cycle of me continuing in this cycle for a long time, but uh, being an entrepreneur also a few months before, a few years before that, I, I got to see the cycle. I got to see where male colleagues were getting more money. And I was just like, why are they getting more money whilst I am 
overcompensating with the things that I'm doing. And I didn't feel fair. It didn't feel fair. I ended up getting the bonus. I ended up getting a salary increase, but that's also the, the time where I was being judged by a some kind of an invisible rule because you're you we gave you a rise now we want to see you rise above the bar and I was just like but I was already doing that what what do you what more do you want from me and that's mm -hmm. when the microaggression started that is very good yeah, yeah. that was a very example of those because it's always so the the concept of microaggressions I I feel like a lot of people Mm -hmm. boys don't understand quite what that is ultimately yeah. so to put it visually um i explain microaggressions as being hit by killer bees on a daily basis so little comments little snars it can be racial comments um it's hard for me to talk about this so i wasn't expecting me to share it but um i i am writing an article about how to dismantle racism, sharing a personal story. And if you get stuck by a bee, and especially a killer bee on a daily basis, that's that's how I see racism. That's how I see the hurt through uh, my 20 years of being in the professional work field. And it isn't easy. And what makes it uneasy is the fact that uh, I don't want my son to endure this. I don't want my son to go to the same journey that a lot of people of color go through. Yeah. And I want it to end. Hell I'm gonna yeah. go with the beast because I don't want it to be a crying episode. And I do, I knew I need to, I know I need to let it out, but um I process things in my time and in my way and I want to continue. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Thank you for sharing though. Yeah. I think it's I do think you? it's so important you go Sasha. <laughs> no because I uh I I think I um I I I I can see myself very much in what you're just saying. And um you only have to say yes or no so you don't have to explain further. But do you also think that comes from a place of of pride? Because I um on the one hand you said I've been I've been raised to be humble and grateful. Mm -hmm. But on the, on the other hand, I see that a lot of people from um, whatever mixed black community um, also have a really big sense of pride. Yeah. So you don't yeah. want to. Yes, I can. I can definitely. You can call it pride, but I it's it's resides in the middle of being pride, but also being not sharing your dirty laundry, not yeah. doing that. So it's yeah. residing somewhere. Yeah, somewhere in between. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hundred percent feel that, um, yeah. and that's why sometimes it, it. I think it's even, maybe even sometimes tougher. Well, I never like the, the the competition part of it because I think everybody struggles in their own way. As a female, um, and I think as a as a black female, we sort of have the the, the double the double negative already. Up mm -hmm. front, so we have extra to prove. That's yeah. how I always um, sense it, especially in the business. You know, in the business world, um, you're an um, you're a female entrepreneur, or you're a black female entrepreneur, mm -hmm. colored, whatever, name it. Um, mm -hmm. 
they, you already have the feeling that you have to double proof yourself even before you have said one thing. I totally yeah. agree. And that's why the, the image that we shared this morning was, I, I am that woman who's sitting in front of all these men being judged and then being asked, what, what is your magic? What, what are you going to do for our company? So um, I really saw that. No, I really saw that. And it was just like, you're, you were, it's just like you were striking a chord. So, um, so I think that during this session and we're, we are now, a lot of people are now demonstrating when it comes to racism, when it comes to diversity and people standing up for uh, people of color, um, know that a lot of people have been hurt and I want to do my best by having these discussions so that these discussions for me is a healing. It's therapy. It's therapeutic. It's something that I need to address. But also I know that a lot of people who are watching also need to have this conversation. So um, so I just want to share, Nadine is sharing, let's call them macro aggressions. I, I totally agree. Sure. I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Angela is also yeah. watching. Thank you, Angela. That's my partner in crime. So what you have, Vis, what you have with uh, with Sasha, Angela is my partner in crime. So thank hey, you. Hey, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Vis, what do you have to share regarding your fabulous question? Uh, I can, I mean, I can talk about this. I just want to kind of stack on what you guys were saying now, because this is obviously big on everyone's mind, right? Yeah. And I think it, it, I think you're absolutely right. It is a very important conversation to have. And I, I am learning about that extra layer, right? Because mm -hmm. I feel like as a woman, indeed, I mean, it, it, I, it's not I feel, I know the research is very clear on this, right? The biases that um, we have against women it's not just men uh, although obviously that is where it's coming from uh, but against women right and then this if i can if i can, i maybe i'm diminishing it but i i'd like to say this extra layer right mm -hmm. that black women or women of color then uh, endure you know for being black or being a person of color right that is something that obviously i do not know about i know the stats i know the research right but i've not experienced that myself so honestly my heart goes out to you and um uh, you know the, the microaggressions uh, you know <laughs> to being ultimately felt as or the impact of them being macro right yeah. i'm i'm hearing you um and and with that said and everything I'm now going to share about being a woman, <laughs> you know, the barriers that I have endured kind of like, it's like, yeah, whatever, you know, not so important, but I guess they all matter, right? We all have our yes. own journey. Um, it's, 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 and, it's, uh, it's equally important. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's not some kind of comparison game, right? But I am learning as we speak, right, with the whole world, I feel, at least the whole white world, um, I am learning and I have been learning in these past couple of weeks more than I have in the years before that. Um, oh, although you. through my oh, clients, I have to mm -hmm. say, through my clients, right, I have a, a, a fair number of uh, black uh, clients and, and women of color um that you know i've i've seen some of this and learned some of this and heard some of this and experienced some of this right so i'm not i'm not totally clueless but uh <laughs> baby steps and you know i'm starting i'm i'm doing the work uh from my side um which is a long process anyway 
Uh, coming back uh, to the, the question, what, have I negotiated, right? So I'm always asking this to people and, and everybody always expects that I have been doing this the, my entire life. I think one of the reasons why I focus so much on this and why it's my obsession is because I didn't. I famously did not negotiate my very first salary. I was obsessed with the subject. I, that's why I went to law school. That's why I became a lawyer. Negotiation really was my thing. But it didn't even cross my mind that I should negotiate my job offer. I was like you, Vivian. I was just really, really proud that I'd been asked by the best law firm in our country if I could work for them. Right. And it was an amazing salary as well. Um, and so there I really didn't feel like there was anything to negotiate. I was just grateful. I was going to show them and then the money would follow. And then, of course, I started. And after six months, found out that all of my peers who started at the same time were making more money than I was because they had asked. Yeah. Right. Not even because they were boys, but simply because they had asked. And so I realized I'd made a terrible mistake. Um, and it kind of went downhill from there. I mean, I'm I'm now making what is a fairly complex situation, you know, I'm kind of putting that into a couple sentences, but what ended up happening was that I just did not feel like people were seeing what I was doing. And we were talking about humanizing the workplace, right? And it being my my obsession of having people work in the, in the best place for them, that place was not the right place for me. It was very, everybody else was very different from how I was and who I was. So it was the start, not having negotiated that first time was the start of a downward spiral that ended up with me leaving. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I didn't negotiate. Do that, right? Yes. They eventually leave and hopefully they yeah. negotiate the next time. So Often um, they don't. So the pattern I see is that they don't, mm -hmm. right? And the, the, what I feel is almost more problematic is that they don't even try in the company that they're leaving. So rather than having the difficult conversation as kind of yeah. a last ditch attempt, right, to make mm -hmm. things right, they don't even bother, yeah. right? They don't, no, they don't even try. And so who knows huh? what would have yeah. happened if they had a conversation? Ladies, I have a question. I think that we are going over time. Do you have 20 minutes to spare? I do. I do. I am gone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not cool. I don't have like plans on anyone. <laughs> so um, another thing that I want to mention, because um, I do feel in a way that managers can play a part when it comes to negotiating. And that's why I'm asking this question, what can managers do to support women in the workplace when you consider that with negotiating? Tasha, do you want to go? Yeah. I'm sure we you have experiences. Yeah. <laughs> yes, of course, I have a whole list of <laughs> you can't see it. Love it. This is just question four, yeah. <laughs> so number one, mm -hmm. um, for managers, I think, um, it's some some things sound so obvious to me, but I know on a day to day basis they're not obvious for a lot of people. Um, is notice and embrace your talent, uh, especially um, give them a stage even when you don't need to. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times people, it's always the same people that shout in the room if it, if yeah. it's a topic that they are you know experts on. Um, and maybe somebody else in your team or uh, as a manager, you know that somebody else is really good in, in a certain expertise or, or a certain topic, but they always keep quiet. And you know, because you talk to them on a regular basis, mm -hmm. that th these people have other special talents as well, but they're just shy or humble or whatever they are. Mm 
give them that stage. Instead of you bragging again about how awesome you are, just tell them like, hey, I think we, you told me a few weeks ago that you also had experienced this, right? Or no, you told me that you, that you are an expert in this. And then give somebody, well, I think a little bit like we do, lift as you rise, like give somebody a stage because some people are really scared to ask for it or to demand it themselves. Um, use women as a positive example instead of always a negative example, which happens, mm -hmm. I think, way more often than a positive yeah. example. Mm -hmm. So pick the women in your, in your environment or in your team that are killing it as moms and work colleagues um, and also being just nice, pretty social um, people and, and show them as the success story instead of always the same. Well, there's always one or two people who are the success stories mm -hmm. and there's much more success stories in a company. So give them a stage as well. Um, and then my final point is uh, to encourage people in your direct or indirect work environment to aim higher. Um, and sometimes it's just with baby steps mm -hmm. because a lot of people ask me, and I think Rizky will have the same thing. It's like, they will ask you, how do you, how do, you do it? Like how? They hear the things you do on a day-to-day basis and they, they sort of always compare themselves. Sorry, my earplugs are <laughs> they, they compare themselves to you. So they ask you what, what you've been up to, then you tell them your story and then they are amazed. And they they automatically assume like ah oh, this is either she's bragging or um, this is not for me. And I always tell these these ladies like if it's working for me, it doesn't have to work for you. Mm -hmm. But I think there is probably much more that you can do than you consider yourself at the moment. So just take a little baby step, right? Um, if if you go to, so I've been asked to speak at a few uh, women entrepreneurial sessions, which is women who are in the really early stage of they either have an idea, but they are scared or they think they don't have time to start up for themselves. Um, and I and, and I always get the same questions there. Like, um, my husband doesn't approve. <laughs> Or uh, I don't have time for it because I'm working and I have two kids. And then I just say, yeah, I did it. So if I can do it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. Right? I'm, yeah. I'm not a genius. I'm, I'm not a guru. It's just a matter of if you believe in something that you're really good at, just do it. And you don't have to resign from your day job and start up full time. That's what I did. But I don't want to say that's the best advice I can give people. But start a side hustle, right? Cut their hours from five days to four days, and that one day use it as a sort of a starting point for your new business. Because if you believe in it, it will be a huge success. But that's just a matter of helping uh, others aim higher. Um, so it was supposed to be a short answer, but it turned out to be quite long, sorry. <laughs> I'm listening, I'm oh, listening. <laughs> I am listening, I'm listening, at least. I mean, really building on that, right? But uh, mm -hmm. I would say, and actually building to on your on your earlier point, um, Sasha, of you know people making assumptions about women, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, 
as a manager, don't be stupid. Don't make assumptions, right? It was one of my the partners that I used to work for that said assumptions are the mothers of all. Uh, yep. Apologize for my language, um, and that's something that I will have tattooed on my forehead one day because the truth of it is deep, man. Holy crap! And so, um, don't make assumptions, right? Don't assume that your uh, women will be the same as the boys and will be shouting uh, top of their lungs that they are ready for the next step. Have the freaking conversation. Like that's your job as a manager. I really, I feel deeply compelled to tell the managers in this world, and that's just everybody who is responsible for other people, right, in their company. It is your your job, like the very description, the very job description of a manager is, or at least should be, to make your people do their best work. Do your job, yeah. make them do their best work. How do you do that? If they're not telling you that they're, if they're not kicking What I lost you guys. I lost you. If they are not kicking, I lost you. I lost you. It's well. a good, it's a good freeze of Lee. <laughs> <laughs> We're back. You were, it We're was back. really, it was really a cliffhanger. If they are not, and then. <laughs> oh my goodness! I have no idea what I said. If they're not, if oh, if your women right are kicking yeah. ass. Mm-hmm. And they're not talking to like go and find out how they you know how they can kick ass. Go and make it your personal mission to get the best out of them. That is your freaking job. Do your freaking job, right? I really feel like people should take that responsibility very seriously. Have the conversation. Have the difficult conversation. The potentially difficult conversation. Actually, I find a very vast majority it's not a difficult conversation. You're asking. How can I support you in doing your best work? Are you still doing the work that you're excited about? Are you doing things that are slightly uncomfortable, but you know, cool, right? Just have those conversations. So really speak with your women directly on the basis that they might not be doing that yourself. I mean, this also applies to you know to some of the guys, right? Not all of them, because you have the ones that will be shouting. Um, but you'll you'll know the ones. You know who the ones are, right? And so have those conversations. Um, and I would suggest, I always have to make the, the slightly controversial point that it makes business sense to then not just ask them, how can you do better work, but then to also reward them for that work that they're doing fairly. So they haven't asked you for more money, but you're, <laughs> yes, I got it. Yes. Um, thanks, Vivian. Love you. Um, so no, but, but have the, you know, even when they're not asking for it, offer them to pay them fairly, right? Compared to, you know, what you're paying your other people. And uh, people go, well, but that makes no business sense. Why should I just proactively give my people more money, right? It makes business sense. I can do the math for you. Um, It really is very simple. If your women leave because they are unhappy with you know, the setup that they have because they're finding out that their male colleagues, probably male colleagues, right, are making more money than they are, whereas they're not kicking as much as you are. They might have the conversation with you if they're cool and funky like Sasha. Not everybody is as cool and funky as Sasha and they won't have the conversation. What they'll do is they'll freaking drop out and they either go home and stay with the family, just do, mm-hmm. you know, being the cliche that the world kind of still in Holland, especially if I can say that, uh, sort of expect yep. them to, or they go to the competitor. Either way, it sucks for you because you're losing a lot of money. Here's how that and works. And I want to add on something. We have social media. We have oh, networks. Yeah. We talk. Yeah. Women talk. 
we yes. buy platforms. Maybe the women will raise a platform. Yeah. Let's humanize the workplace to do and so. And then blast it all over. You're making a very good point, Vivian, that even when they don't do that, right, and, and the world is becoming a lot smaller, exactly mm -hmm. because of what you're saying, right? Social yeah. media is, uh, is well, as we're seeing also now in, in the last couple of weeks, right, people are being blasted or companies are being blasted. But something that nobody ever freaking thinks about and is incredibly important for a business is ultimately what a company makes, you know, the, the company bottom line, right? What are they making every year? And one of the largest costs that nobody ever talks about, and this has now become my life's mission to share this with the world, mm -hmm. is uh, the cost of attrition. Mm. So people yeah. leaving your company cost your company between 100 and 400% of that yeah. person's annual salary. Yeah. That tends to be a yeah. ton of money, yeah. right? And so if you can, you can do the math on how many people leave uh, your company, uh, you can run the numbers for yourself, right? I don't need to do that for you. But even if you take a very conservative estimate, which would be that it's 100% of that person's mm -hmm. salary, right? And how that works is that it's not just recruitment. I mean, Sasha, you know, is not cheap, right? I also I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, so recruitment, onboarding, yeah. training them, lost network, downtime between, you know, having people there. All and it of takes these at least together. one year to get that person up to a certain level, right? Yeah. It's expensive. It takes, it takes at least three to four months to find maybe suitable replacements. And that's, then when you you're in a lucky, that's when you're in a lucky field because being in the tech field, the tech have a hard time with finding the right talent, right? At the moment, six months, one year, maybe two years. Oh, yeah. Well, there yeah, you go. Easily, easily. There you and go. then even right. a women, women in tech, wow. Yeah. That's like yeah. an exotic species. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's my point is always right. It's incredibly expensive, whichever way you slice it. It's incredibly expensive mm -hmm. to lose good people, yeah. and they will leave when they get pissed off. Yeah, yeah. It's not you know it's not sustainable to be consistently unhappy, to be consistently feeling like you're not seen, you're not valued, etc. So they will leave. It will be much more expensive when they leave than just to have the conversation with them and say, huh, let's hike you up to what would be fair. Yeah. Right? It's it's even if that's 20, 30, 40% more salary, it's still a lot less than 100 to 400%. Yeah. So that's my my best advice to all the managers in this world, you know, may have have the conversation. Yeah. I know Have that one time that and, when and I when I left a company within a few months, um, let's say four or five colleagues left the company yeah. as well, wow. which can be mm -hmm. a painful loss for the company. Yes, because I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I am a social. Be, you know, I am a social person, and the ones I left the company, a lot of people were just like. <laughs> I don't like it anymore. No, no. We miss you. Yeah. There is something going on. I have to look further. I have to do something. So I can definitely uh, sympathize with, with what you're saying. And um, going to the next question. So what would you say to your younger self? And that can be 10 years, 20 years, <laughs> five years, this was, 40 I, I thought years. This was a really nice it. question. This was a really nice question. I'm going to steal this from you. Mm -hmm. or interviews with candidates because mm -hmm. I think it's a really good one. Um, what I wrote down for myself was work smarter, not harder. Mm. Yeah. 
um, because I also had um, a, a few years back in the early days of my career when I thought if I just work longer, more, harder, then they will notice. Yeah. Um, and still, I had I had the big blabby mouth of asking for more. But at one point, you also need to consider like, is this is this the right time? Is this the right environment? Um, especially when you when I just switched jobs. And I noticed like, oh, this is a very different energy, very different environment. I need to sort of first feel feel the water, feel the environment if 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 this is a place where I can just do the same trick I did in the first the first time. Um so I haven't always been successful with negotiating when when I thought it was I was worth much more. Uh, and what I did was just work harder and mm. expect people to notice. Um, and the people will not, but not the right people. Yeah. So work smarter, not harder. That's something I would give myself. Um, and it's okay if you fail. And it's also okay to ask for help. Because Isn't failure fail- doesn't... Yeah, you, you say it and I will add something. You say <laughs> it, yeah. No, failure doesn't equal... Um, uh, it's equal to... Uh, being a loser or losing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you learn from your failures that's what we teach our children that's what yeah. i tell them i think very very often like it's okay if you make a mistake it's okay if you don't always have a 10 or an a plus um for your schoolwork because now you know what you did what you've done wrong so next time think about it so you well, don't make the same mistake again so it all sounds so easy but um on a day-to-day level you see that Adults, women, but also men, but I think we're mostly talking about the women, of course, they see failure as a as a as a big problem, and then they will never try again, also if they have asked for more money or a better position and and the first answer is no then then either they get um so disappointed and insecure that they will that they won't ever try it again, and maybe it's just because they they were they haven't been listening to these, um, <laughs> or it's because they just caught their manager in a shitty day. Sometimes mm-hmm. these things happen, right? You walk in, yeah. you want to have a good conversation with your manager, and he's just not having it, or she's not having it. It's also possible. Then it's okay to leave it there, come back in a week or two, and have the same conversation again if you're not happy with the end result. Um, so that's something that I'm teaching my girls already, and they're six and two. But I'm teaching them: it's okay to make mistakes, it's okay to fail, as long as you try again and try better next time. Yeah, I I totally agree. My son um, is at um, he's he's on a school which is similar to Montessori, but it's it's not it's not called that way, and uh, he's also six. And two years ago, he called us out saying that we are having a fixed mindset with we I was just having a discussion with my partner and I don't know what we said but what stuck with me was you have a fixed mindset I was just like where did that child get this because it took me a long time to know about the fixed mindset and then the growth mindset ever since starting from kindergarten uh, starting school from day one they are teaching the children every year they are upcycling the growth mindset, the fixed mindset, allow to see your mistakes as lessons and 
activating your growth mindset. So the thing that I do here at home is when he doesn't feel like doing something, for instance, cleaning up his room, I say it's time to activate the growth mindset. He doesn't like me for that, but I am activating the growth mindset and it works wonders. It does work wonders. So uh, we as adults need to le learn about the growth mindset instead of talking about mistakes and failures. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, love this. Love yeah. this. I'm going to do this as well. My yeah, children are literally like, <laughs> about. They, I mean, they know conceptually, or my eldest one does at least. Mm -hmm. I know, but it's it it's definitely not internalized. So it's yeah. it's something to work on. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for the inspiration. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. And you, What was the question again? Uh, what should I? What, what would you share? What advice, right? Yeah. 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 I I thought about this, and I thought I kind of took it back to the start of my career, um, and I would advise myself and, and actually the whole world to rather than doubting yourself mm. and trying to fit, you know, be a square peg in a square hole um, or, or actually, you know, being a square peg in a round hole, right. Where you're not comfortable. It's not working. It's not natural. It doesn't feel good. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with you. Right, potentially, but you know, most likely there's nothing wrong with you. Potentially there's nothing wrong with the company that you work for. Go and find a place where you are a round peg and a round hole, right? Where there's that natural fit, where mm -hmm. there's this overlap in what your magic is, what your special, unique, you know, contribution to this world is, and what that organization needs. Yeah. So you know don't doubt yourself just go and find a place that fits better basically where they appreciate you and where you feel comfortable and where you can bring your whole self to work uh, rather so i think that if i had heard that before that would have prevented a lot of heartache i think yeah. in my particular but then case. you wouldn't yeah. be doing what you're doing now and that's a, that's an interesting thought right yeah it's uh it's uh i think it was steve jobs who said you know afterwards you can connect the dots and in my career i can definitely say that that's happened um and it's not like i'm regretting uh things massively i just think things would have been a lot easier if i'd learned mm -hmm. <laughs> before yeah it's definitely helping me now every day to get very yeah. yeah shouty about this subject and and try and help as many women to to actually uh, get there so yeah it's it's helping me now for I sure. mean, what what I would share to myself, with which is in a way piggybacking on what you shared, uh, Vis, is knowing thyself, know thyself, because mm. I, I've been in a situation, multiple situations where I was bullied, and mm. I began to believe my bullies. I began to think that I wasn't worthy of myself, uh, mm -hmm. which left a, a scar, which left a mental scar, but. Uh, me speaking up, like I shared in the beginning, this platform, this stage, what I'm doing now, um, I am an ambivert. So I switch on and off from time to time because I'm still that Vivian from before, but I'm also a new Vivian. And my son activated something within me to advocate for others, to advocate for myself, to speak up for the injustice that is happening. But instead of, you know, doing that on a negative basis, I am doing that on a positive base. But um, knowing thyself and know 
your values, know what you stand for, and really figuring out this is my line. Don't cross that mm -hmm. line so that people know where you stand. And you can still be human about it without you know losing yourself or losing your integrity. Um, mm -hmm. This is where I stand now. I'm speaking up. I'm speaking up for those who can't. I am doing my best to at least bring more positivity in the workplace and just plant some thought seeds, plant some thought seeds in people's minds to do their best when it comes to that. Yeah. Oh, love it. And Very thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I do have to uh, shout out uh, Nadine. Nadine, I'm hoping, I'm, I hope that I really like the fact that you are uh, uh, joining this session. And um, yes, I totally agree with you as well. I have time for two or one question. I'm just looking at my panel members. I'm good. I'm good. Okay. Um, I just shared something about my son. And as we are all parents, what can parents do to narrow the gender pay gap? And I'll start with Lise. Yeah, starting young. <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. Start having, uh, so if we're talking gender pay gap, right, we're focusing on teaching our girls uh, to um, to negotiate. Mm -hmm. And um, I would suggest that um, you celebrate it if in your, um, uh, it, you see that behavior, right, in your girls, that you uh, encourage them to speak up, to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. And also, um, I would say, you know, when I say start them young, I really mean it because uh, my shout out to my friend uh, Mara Harvey, who uh, has been writing about this subject for a long time about girls and, and where they get their financial sense and where they learn about money and where they learn about worth and where they learn about all these things. It starts so incredibly young, like we're really talking like tiny kids like four i think they start making already a difference anyway it so it, it starts really young so when you have kids who um they you know they do i don't know they have babysitting jobs whatever mm -hmm. right it's it's one of those classics encourage them to do research what should somebody earn encourage them to actually then come out with you know an ambitious number and um ask for that and you know have the conversation basically because if you're successful at doing this at least in taking yourself seriously taking that job seriously taking the people that you are babysitting for seriously you're starting that at say what 14 i don't know how old people I, I think i was about 14 when i started doing that then when you're 21 22 25 and you are you know starting in your first job it will come a lot more naturally it will be yeah. a given that you are doing this right so start the conversation i think also um have the conversation around money i think a lot of people have what we call what i call money stories like they have a discomfort around the subject mm -hmm. i definitely come from a family where this is yeah. we didn't talk about this and it was not cool and ta -da -da, right so uncouth to talk about this so um once you have normalized or sort of you know uh, the healthy relationship with money yourself i think it this becomes a lot easier but then make sure that your girls also your boys of course but your girls especially um 
yeah, sort of, you know, encourage that healthy relationship with money, see the value of it, see the importance of it. I'm not spending all the money on bags and all the nails <laughs> and the shoes and everything. I, yeah, I mean, that's the, the bigger <laughs> lesson of being financially independent, right? Mm -hmm. The importance mm -hmm. of that. I, For me, that's an incredibly important uh, subject in my life uh, and something definitely I want uh, to encourage my girls uh, to be at. And now we're going, you know, a bit further. But I would say start young, start normalizing uh, money and talking about money and talking mm -hmm. you know like it's an okay subject to talk about and very much encourage them to have these conversations i i do tell my daughters give me a good story like they will ask for something right can i have a play date with such and such yeah. or can i have a yeah. sleepover with such and such and it's incredibly inconvenient and i kind of don't want to but i always tell them give me a good story give me a good reason right mm -hmm. i want to encourage them to bring arguments to the yeah. table Yep. And to actually, you know, advocate for themselves, basically, for really small stuff. Mm -hmm. But you can see, I can see their little brains worrying, right? And I can see how they're getting into that mindset. And sometimes they have a really good story. And sometimes it's complete and utter bullshit. I'm like, I'm sorry, this isn't working for me, girlfriend. Yeah. You know, it's not <laughs> happening, whatever they, you know. But I, I base it on the strength of their mm -hmm. story, right? Yeah. I base it on the strength of their argument. And um, I hope that that works. Yeah. No research it's, it's, it's uh, sort of results yet, but I hope, yeah. And you, Sasha? Oh, I, well, I, I think I have uh, like 99.8% the same thing written here as we just said, so I'm going to oh. tack on your answer. Mm -hmm. The first thing I said was teach them, teach them young, mm -hmm. yeah. so which is basically the same. But I think it's very important. Yeah, we both have two girls, um, and um, I... From I think from the age of three and a half, four years old, my oldest one, I started explaining her the value of money. Like, um, because for her, for kids, things are naturally right. Mm -hmm. You open the uh, the tap, water pours out, and that's free. Or mm -hmm. right, stuff like uh, if you put on the washing machine, it, it just works. If you put on the lights, it just works. And then I tried to explain her, like, nope, uh, mommy gets a bill for that every month. Uh, and that's why I work so hard. Mm -hmm. And you know why um, I, I like to dress my girls nicely. I like to dress myself. I always have my nails done, mm -hmm. my hair done, um, and I don't have to thank anybody. And that's what I what that's what I always tell them. Like, make sure that you can do whatever, and make sure that you have you are the one that earned the money, and that that pays for it. Because mm -hmm. you only have to say thank you to yourself. And I also do this um, a lot of the same things that Vis does with um, making them think uh, on, on something that they want instead of just asking for it. They yeah. sort of need to, I don't want to say earn it, but at least uh, come up with a good argument. It. On, yeah, but yeah, it's, it is a way of earning, right? It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, she said um, I want to have an allowance because she has a, her big example is her niece, but her niece is 14 and mm -hmm. she's six. Right, and her niece is getting an allowance, so she says, yeah. "I also want an allowance." I said, "Do mm -hmm. you know why she gets an allowance? Because she needs to work for it." Mm -hmm. And she said, "Like, oh, I'm I'm willing to work for it." I said, "Okay, it's fine. If you make sure that your room is always tied up, and you help me sometimes with the dishes, and you help me with cleaning up in the evening, um, then on Sunday I will check if you did a good job, and I will give you a little allowance." Mm -hmm. And now she starts learning the difference. So before I could give her like ten cents. And she was like, yeah. Now she's like, uh, 
That's well, not enough. <laughs> this isn't working for me. And you're well, like, yeah, get... good. Let's have the conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, last week you give me 50 cents. I was like, oh, did I? He's like, yes, you did. I was like, ah. Okay. So it starts, it starts young. Um, mm-hmm. And the second thing for me is uh, to set an example. Mm-hmm. To not only be so, so she's in a in a class where most of the moms are um, without being too negative, like either not working or they have like the what you expect from moms in their thirties jobs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm confused. Um, well, she's like there's nobody um, from her class. But all the mommies are are like I think seventy percent are stay-at-home moms. Mm-hmm, so they mm-hmm. pick their kids up during the day. Yeah. Um, they don't have business meetings or business calls, especially not in the evening. And um, and then she said like, why don't you pick me up in the uh, um, in the middle of school, right? So in the lunchtime. And I said I don't have time for that <laughs> because I'm working, babe. Mm-hmm. And I had to explain her like, yeah, mo- your mom has different has, has made a different choice because she wanted to start up her own business, and that means I can't pick you up at twelve o'clock to have lunch together. But you can do a lot of other cool stuff, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because yeah, yeah, you get a, a lot more financial freedom, and we can do we can go a lot on holidays. And I, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can sort of create your own working times, but in the end. You, you can't always do that um and a few weeks ago she said to me mom when i grow up i also want to have my own business so i was yes, like mission completed Girl. yeah, yeah. That's, the drop. that's the best <laughs> i think i but seriously i think this is such an important point it's not just uh, uh mama has to work for me it's really mm-hmm. important that because i have the same conversation right and my kids go to international school i mean i'm the only like i'm like you know, the enemy, right? I'm Satan, basically. And um, I, for me, it's really important to say that not I have to work. I choose to work and I freaking mm-hmm. love it. And I do important yeah. work. That's what I tell them. And, you know, like it, it, it matters, the work that I do. I choose it. I love it. It's I'm good at it. And I help people a lot, yeah. right? I want them to have this really positive association with doing that not just to, oh i'll miss you so much and i love you so much and i'm really sorry that i can't do it hell no you know and i love them god I, you know i take a bullet for them right no questions asked and mm-hmm. this is also really important and i want them to have that idea of you know work and, and not just for the money right but it's important to contribute to the world and you can do that in many different ways but if you choose to do it through work and i mean work outside the home work you know in in the context that we're talking about then um you know we don't have to apologize it we don't have to feel sorry for it you know it's a great thing right everybody yeah. i I don't judge others, you know, you do you, right? What's working for you, me, but I'm not accepting any judgment. And I definitely don't want my kids to feel bad in any way for themselves or for Mm -hmm. me, like they're suffering. I'm like, hell no, we're very lucky. I can uh, totally relate to what you are sharing because um, I'm one of the few uh, entrepreneurs within Orlando's or uh, parents within Orlando's class. And um, in the beginning when we, he started school, I really felt judged because I am not the person who goes to uh, the zoo trips or the other trips or et cetera, et cetera. I do make an effort to 
help out the school from time to time, but sometimes they have mm -hmm. these crazy times, crazy days, and I already have appointments. And I'm just like, yeah. um, we have two, he has two parents. I can join and my partner can join. Doesn't mean that I can always join at every occasion because um, also referring to what is happening during this lockdown, a lot of women are saying goodbye to their work or minimizing their hours because it falls on to them taking care they of They take the brunch. I'm, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just calling out saying this, this shouldn't be, this is yeah. BS. This shouldn't be, yeah. you know, this new normal. Why are women, why should a woman sacrifice her career for just this? Yeah. Couldn't yeah. agree more. Can I can I give a quick tip on yes, this whole definitely. sort of defaulting to the mother? And mm -hmm. um, when I changed the default telephone number at that the school held, right, for mm -hmm. when something's up with the kids or in it, to my partners rather than mine, everything shifted. Mm -hmm. When they're sick, they call him. Yeah. Right, and that yeah. suddenly made a difference because he then got a call and then realized, hey, this really sucks. Right. That being cold in the middle of the day and having to shift around your entire day. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. haven't done it so that he will then always take it. Yeah. But it's it's meant that he now had to fix an issue that before for many years I had to fix. Why? Because, you know, I make a really That's big point. Exactly yeah. right. You have to actively fight that, but really, that small change made a lot of difference yeah. because a lot of women he now has. Sorry, a lot of women are being penalized for picking mm -hmm. up the kids, or there's something wrong with the kids. I've even heard mm -hmm. a story like you have to pick up your son, or you have to pick up your your child too often. And I don't know if it's working with us. And I'm just like, what? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a, it, I mean, this is the, the this trap, right, that a lot of women fall in. And this is, goes two ways. So it's both a societal expectation. There's definitely a lot of this comes from what other people think. You know, other people think that the mom should be the first port of call. A lot of people think that or, you know, expect mothers to, you know, show up for these trips. And for fathers, they don't even worry about it. The other way around at interviews, they'll ask you here in Switzerland. Seriously, you just get the first question that you get is, do you have children and how are they being taken care of they will never ask a dude you know they will never no. but they'll ask a woman right so it's 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 the societal expectations but then it's also an internal thing and that's kind of where i often fight with women and i tr you know i try not to judge but then i i get into fights because people are judging me right um is is, is kind of having the internal conversation of to what extent do you think you're the better parent? To what extent mm -hmm. do you personally think that you should always be there and that, you know, when the child is sick, they need me? It's like, I know that I'm not a better parent than my, than my husband. In fact, he's freaking awesome and I kind of mediocre at best, you know? Even saying that is very controversial for a lot of women. How can you say you're only mediocre? I found it incredibly relieving when I could mm -hmm. say that. I'm 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 good at a lot of things. Parenting, I'm I'm doing my best, but yeah. you know, can't say that <laughs> I'm scoring here. So yeah. it's the 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 having the sort of internal conversation almost and being okay yourself with you know, not being the favorite parent or not being the default parent. That, that's also something that I think a lot of women, if they are really honest with themselves, that's that there's a lot of work to be done there, so to yeah. say. I totally yeah, agree. I think so as well. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Going to the last question. 
this was this is this is definitely the longest episode that I ever done. So, what is your wish for 2025? No, I enjoyed it. What is your wish for 2025 when it comes to humanizing the workplace and women taking their seats at the table? And I will start with Slasha. Um, well, I think 2025 is around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I hope that by that by that time um we don't have to have this these calls anymore mm-hmm. i really hope so um but it, then then women need to sort of rise together stand up together listen to each other don't judge like we just mentioned in the previous example um it's what happens a lot when you step up or you show that that your family chose a different route um, that people judge you uh, or assume things again. Um, so I, I really hope that, that 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 there will be this turning point, which is maybe a little bit similar to what's happening right now with mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I personally now have the feeling that all of a sudden it feels like something is really happening, yeah. something is changing. Um, I feel supported, I feel heard. Um, so maybe something painful has to happen first before that actual change is going to come. And I'm waiting for a lot of things. I hope by 2025 we have a, a, a female uh, president in the Netherlands. I hope by 2025 there is a female black president in the USA. Um, so I have a lot of dreams and hopes. But I think baby steps. I hope that women uh, are going to ask each other for help more instead of judging each other mm-hmm. um, and take each other by the hand and say, like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to I'm going to give you that last push to your next stage. And then it's your turn to, to give somebody else a push. Yeah. Lift those as you climb. Yes. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And these? Yeah, I mean, I can't say it better. Uh, very much what... Um, what Sasha is saying, I think this question has really taken for me on a new meaning in the last couple of weeks with everything that's happened in terms of Black Lives Matter. So if you'd asked me many weeks before, I would have really pushed for you know gender equality. And now I'm just adding on top of that, because obviously this is what we want, that also racism is, you know, taken out of the freaking equation. Like it's mm-hmm. just it, it's just I, I really hope that by 2025 we're looking back and we're going like collectively like can you imagine do you remember that world you know it's almost like i i was joking this yesterday at a meeting here with people right we've had a pandemic and the whole world has been upside down basically for the last couple of months right so i was saying to them do, do you guys do you remember do you remember you know when we were meeting live that that was yeah. a normal thing and you didn't yeah. even have to think about it i hope that in 2025 we're looking back at institutionalized racism and you know casual racism all of it right all the shapes in that that yeah. um uh, that happen that we look back and we go, Jesus, do you remember? Wasn't that insane? The bullshit that we put up with, you know what I mean? And that it's just like, it's, it's like smoking, right? We used to smoke everywhere in the street, whatever. And now we're like, that was insane. We met smoking in trains. You know what I mean? We're like, in planes. and it's just yeah, right. And now you're like, what the heck? And I hope that that, it will be the same then, you know, it'll be the yeah. same for racism and obviously gender equality will be like the nor- the new normal. 
And I think the kind of the tech that I'm trying there and that I hope will catch on and will kind of um, be a catalyst to some extent for all of this is what we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. It's not just the right thing to do, the morally right thing to do, the principal thing to do, right? To care about uh, women as much or to to give them the same opportunities as men, to give people of color the same opportunities as white people. It's not just the right thing to do, but that people go, it makes business sense. Like it's cold, there's cold hard cash at the end of this, right? At the end of the right decision. And the reason why I do that, the reason why I feel that way is because they haven't really done a shit ton, you know, for all the moral and principled reasons, right? It hasn't quite taken off as much as it should. I feel like when the conversation goes into the direction of more diverse boards deliver better results, you see all these white men, you see them sitting there and going, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. But they're not freaking doing it. You know right. what I mean? Like there, nothing is changing still. So I hope that by that time, they'll actually realize, wait, there's money? Ah, yeah, now we're listening, yeah. right? I mean, have with, it be with, that. With, with mm-hmm. what's happening now, so we have the lockdown, we have a mutual pain which is felt internationally. And I think mm-hmm. that's also the reason why Black Lives Matter has been amplified across the world and the world needs to listen. The world has no choice but to listen. So my hope, again, is to um, to inspire those that really are open about growing their mindset when it comes to equality, when it comes to diversity and when it comes to inclusiveness, because we need that. My son needs that. I need that. I need that. And um we need that we need that that's the we all need his yeah. learning of activate your growth mindset yes all of us need that i will share the video i have a, a dutch video of him explaining why the what the growth mindset is so i will share that definitely. amazing please add that yeah i am very proud of having this longest conversation and i didn't i mean last week sasha already warned warned me about the fire she warned me about okay this is going to be epic and it is it is indeed epic i really enjoyed the conversation i i appreciate you ladies and also know that you are planting thought seeds within people you are planting Mm -hmm. thought seeds in their mind and i can only express my appreciation for that so thank you and thank you uh, for your platform and amplifying <laughs> our voices and yeah. the very important messages that you have. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you so much for taking time, spending time with us. I'm sorry, it took almost twice as long. No, but I it don't, was I don't twice mind. as good. I don't it mind. Twice it's twice as, good. as yes. good. There is so That's much we're remembering. to share. And I also want to highlight uh, next week's conversation. So this week, this is, uh, this is the only conversation that I'll be holding for uh, this week. And next week, I have uh, another conversation, which is about the future of inclusive design, which is a very interesting topic about how you can add in inclusivity through design, workplace design. So stay tuned. And otherwise, uh, I'll uh, I'll see you next week. And until that time, this is Let's Humanize the Workplace. And till next time. Bye. Thank you. Bye, girl. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.